0: Let me read to you 2 Corinthians, and then we'll take this journey. Today, I want to speak about not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. If you understand that, all of us have different abilities to give, whether much uh, or little. But the issue is uh, not how much you can give, but are you, every one of us, are you willing to make a sacrifice? Would you give up anything in order to uh, underwrite God's work, however he's enabled you and blessed you? I think that there's a great trick the enemy has played is never bring up money in church. I don't know of a better place if you're not crooks. See, one thing about buildings, somebody had to give the money. The money had to go here. I'm driving the same car this church gave me 15 years ago. For my 30th anniversary so i didn't go into a car and i don't need it to go to me i'm treated kindly it goes into ministry facilities whatever and so what god did for us last year he uh in a refinance gave us a 2.6 percent loan which in this economy anytime when i uh built our house I got it at nine and a quarter interest. Anybody pay that kind of home mortgage interest? Yeah, yeah. Nine and a quarter. And I just glad to get anybody loan. I don't think they would have if they didn't know Don Andrews. He introduced me to the woman. And and they went ahead and loan. Uh, but to think on a commercial loan at two point six, that's just God just opened the Red Sea, we felt. Well, uh, the mortgage came down from a $37,000, $38,000 a month obligation to about $16,000, okay? But what the elders decided to do, since we were already making a $40,000 a month payment, let's keep the payment, and I believe just even at that rate, within uh, three years we'd pay off a million dollars on principle if we just keep doing what we've been doing. So you say, well, why go into a stewardship campaign when, man, God gave you that great loan? We're trying to redeem opportunity, get out of debt, and save the next generation that are going to take this church on and be a great thing. Just eliminate it. It's good stewardship on any level, right? Accelerate, let's pay it. But the trick is the building is not our ministry. It's just where we do it part of it so we're not in love with buildings we are not just living for mortgages no we got to pay the rent you know what i didn't build a house because i'm in love with houses i was raising three children and i i wanted a plaque built and, and put it in my house that we never did do was our home a refuge for sinners and a resting place for saints I still need to put that up in my... That's what I wanted it for. Carolyn, I said, if we can just have a house of our own, we'd make it a, a resting place for God's people and a refuge for sinners. Is that good enough use for a house? When we talk about sacrificial giving, all giving from the Bible, is, it's a willing gift. When they were building the tabernacle, uh, Exodus 25, Exodus 35... Every man gave as he was willing. Giving is never to be uh, forced. It's not something by compulsion. Uh, we're not fleecing you. We're presenting the need and challenging you, but God forbid we would ever fleece you. The Spirit of God has to do the inner work, just like he did in the Malins. He had to teach them. They were given the teaching but only the heart moved by the Spirit would take the challenge. And so there's some of you, uh, you've never taken the challenge. You don't know giving on any level. Uh, There's some of us that were at the Advanced Commitment uh, uh, Gathering on Tuesday night. Uh, I had one person say, well, they seem like the same faces. Yes, they're the backbone of this church financially. They always are the people that rise to help us meet our financial challenges. Been the same for years. We'd like for you to join us. we like for only if the Spirit of God does a work in your heart. It's something that should be made prayerfully. James says, if you lack wisdom, ask God. Have you asked God about what he wants you to give? Or do you dare bring it up? Uh, are you have prayerfully? And I love what Bev says. Lord, this is what we like to give. We don't even know how we could. Now, don't be preposterous. Don't write down a million dollars. Yeah, this is what, if God would enable, we would, we're praying for the wisdom. This is the amount we feel God would have us do. And, you know, you don't need faith to give nothing. You don't need the faith to give nothing. Can you trust him for nothing? Well, I hope so. It takes faith, maybe, to say, man, I don't know how, but I want to, and I believe God can enable me. Pray about that. And then, sacrificially, and we give the story out of 1 Samuel 24 that when David is seeing 70,000 people killed because of his great sin of numbering the children of Israel, and God is angry with them, and he's killing off the people, and finally David asks God, "Uh, would you spare the people? It's my sin, spare the people. And he wants to buy a field to offer a sacrifice to God, the the field was owned by Aranah. And Aranah, no, no, you're the king. You can have it. You, You go. Go ahead. David said, no, I will not give to God that which costs me nothing. And he bought it, and it's believed to be the site of where the temple was built Believed to be the site of where Calvary took place, the same vicinity, he bought the property that would be used eventually to slay the Messiah, the Redeemer of our salvation. I will make a sacrifice. You will not give it to me. I will not offer that to God, which costs me nothing. I want to give you an example of biblical giving, of what biblical giving looks like in the Bible. Just take a little preview. Turn with me to 1 Kings 17. This is a cruel narrative. I would think it's one of the cruelest narratives in the Bible. And if I was an unbeliever and a liberal, I would rip it out of my Bible because of how cruel the narrative seems to be. There is a drought and a famine going on in the land. God tells the prophet Elijah, I am going to take care of you in the midst of this drought, and the one I want to feed you is a widow woman that lives at Seraphath. Go there to Seraphath. And he goes there, and when he sees this woman, she's gathering sticks, and uh, uh, he sees her, and he said, uh, I want you to do something for me. And she said, what's that? He said, I want you to go home and bake me some bread and feed me. Now, now get this. We pick up verse 12 of 1 Kings. Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. This is going to be our last meal. Well, wouldn't mercy say, oh, no, no, don't do that? Let's see the narrative. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it. Does this sound like selfishness? I, I, Before you make your last meal, fix me one. I mean, (laughs) make me a little cake of it. Bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and your son. Well, thank you, Elijah. That's nice. (laughs) After I'm over here burping from having the the big meal, you go ahead and die. I'll I'll whisper a prayer over you. For thus says the Lord, oh, oh, who... Who's telling me to tell you? God is telling me to tell you this. Ooh, you got to be kidding. No, this is the word of God. This is what the God of Israel said. The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, And she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Kind of sounds like seek first the kingdom of God and I'll add everything you need. Seek first. And I mean, now there's some of you, you're nicer than God. You would never ask a widow woman about to die to do that, would you? But you're not God who says, I can keep the barrel full and I can keep the oil coming. You just put me first. You put my servant first and I can keep supplying everything you'll need. You'll outlive this drought. And she did. Now, we're not living to as bad a drought, but we are four years into one. Has anybody not had drinking water for the last two days? Anybody going home today to fix your last meal? Not quite. We're not in these dire circumstances. And this woman is picked by God. Couldn't he have sent this man to a king's palace? Couldn't he have sent him to a rich man? Why a poor woman like this? I don't know. He said he did it. Turn with me to Mark, Mark chapter 12. God loves to pick on widows. So we're expecting Bev and Marilyn to make the biggest commitments. And, and Noreen, I hope they're listening, especially Marilyn. She struggled. The last few years when Tom retired, every year it was a struggle. Can I keep giving to a stewardship? You know, Tom's retired, this and that. Every year she'd go through that struggle. Every year they made a commitment. Counting on you, Marilyn. Um, <laughs> No pressure. Mark chapter 12. Look at verse 41. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. That's interesting. Well, Jesus watched what's put in the offering today. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. How can you say that, Lord? One penny? For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had All she had to live on. Now, is Jesus a cruel Savior? Why didn't you just stop her hand, grab in the box? Here, there's some money for you. By George, the poor shouldn't be supporting the church. Church ought to be supporting the poor. And we should. But you shouldn't be asking folks to give money. Don't you know we're all poor? Even if we make $100,000 a year, we're poor. No, you just act poor. you got a poor complex. If you want it, you get it, don't you? And if you don't, can't afford it, you'll charge it. We've got to keep Visa making a profit. They're your friend. Jesus never withholds her. He never refunded her money on the site. He just used her to teach. God measured their giving by what was left after they gave. I commented to our advanced commitment people that, as we met Tuesday night, and I know most of them, we've been in these together, and not one of us have lost any weight. You would have thought malnutrition would have set in by now. We've been such big givers. I didn't see anybody come in half naked. We're all prospering more than we've ever prospered, and some of us have been doing this for 30 years. You can't give the Lord. He keeps pouring it on. He keeps pouring it on. And here's this woman that gives. And uh, I had a man who uh, bought these two coins. Uh, he put them in a necklace. He, he, he said he bargained in Jerusalem. They're supposed to be first century, but I think they've created millions of them. But don't tell him that. He'll feel like he's been robbed. I believe this is the Daenerys. It doesn't matter the size of the coin. A denarius was a day's worth of wages. A day's worth of wages. What the woman gave is one sixty-fourth of a day's wages. The penny. So the denarius, a day laborer's wage, she only had one sixty. I wonder what she ate that night. Jesus said, I watched her. It's fine if you can make large financial gifts. If you've got the means, thank God. Thank God. But his point is equal sacrifice, not the same amounts. Some could write a check for 100000 and have more left than a guy that writes a check for 1000 or whatever. It's, it's what do you have, what will you have left after you gave it what sacrifice did you—I moved by J. Hudson Taylor addressing a missionary convention, and he began it, and I say with him, he said, I never made a sacrifice in my life. And that's what I must say for me. I've never made a sacrifice in my life. When it comes to martyrdom, elders and deacons, I gave them a church history book we've been going through this year, and every other page is about the life story of a martyr. The church, the church is full of people who have died for their faith. In American Christianity, we talk sacrifice. We always talk about money. We never talk about me, the sacrifice. Look at, uh, let's go from two widows. Let's look in 2 Corinthians to a uh, poor suffering church. If you're looking at what is a sacrifice, the widow of Sarepta, the widow's might, now we look at a poor suffering church and I just want to give you an overview is the sacrifice idea in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 8. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Now, can you imagine that from a poor, afflicted church that there would ever be an offering? They're under incredible pressure. Rome is taxing the daylights out of this place. They're paying paying taxes even on the salt that they have in their area. Heavy taxation, uh, foreign invasion, it's severe, and they're in deep poverty, and the word in the Greek means rock-bottom poverty. You can't get any poorer. I mean, poor, poor, poor. And he said, out of their afflictions, their pressures, and their poverty, they are incredibly generous givers. It's been shown that in America, as our prosperity has grown, our giving has lessened. Having more money doesn't make you generous. Having more money makes you tighter. It's proven. I I don't know why. Uh, Even my own people, just little simple things where they didn't have money, did anybody grow up with uh, what you would consider uh, lower class people, but you couldn't leave their house without them offering to feed you? Yeah, boy, people would drop in our folks' place all the time, and you had to feed them. I, I, I've noticed the poorer you are, we're so wealthy. I'll take you to the restaurant, but you get to get in my house, and don't count on me cooking unless Costco has already packaged it. I mean, come on, they gave what they had. You felt welcome. There's some places so nice, so wealthy, you're afraid to use the toilet. It's just too nice we got to keep everything pristine. It's too nice. Don't touch that. Don't touch. Duh. No. It's just a porcelain piece you got from 13th century China. We're invested in things and not in eternal causes. I ask you, is there no cause? And here he said, they gave out of that condition to me, It'd be crazy for Paul to be bringing up the subject of giving to a poor, suffering church. Come on, Bible. Be sensitive. And especially go easy on us poor Americans. Go easy. Look at this. For they gave according to their means. Okay. As I can testify, and I've never been able to figure out this verse. I don't know. With you. I'm looking for a good interpretation, and you give it to. And they gave beyond their means. I don't know exactly how to interpret that. But except they gave beyond their ability. And how do you do that without robbing the 7-Eleven? You know, God bless me at the lotto. Now, how do they give beyond their means? I don't know. I don't know exactly how that was pulled off. Of their own accord. Now, notice this. They gave, watch what they did, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. I have been waiting for you to do that. To just come up as if we're begging you to take an offering. Is there anyone here that's ever done that? Please take the offering. Please, I want to give. I want to help. I have had people in this church say, you haven't spoken money lately. Well, when are we going to? And I've had Grant, uh, Mr. Bodyguard here at times. If we've had a, a missionary or someone, if I didn't put the Bible out, he would tell me later, why didn't you put the Bible out? I said, Grant is taken care of. He said, no, I know why you didn't do it. I think, leave me alone. You're supposed to be protecting me. But because he's a giver, and he loves missions. Give our people the opportunity. I'm begging you, put your Bible out. Thanks, Grant. After my arm healed, I did it. (laughs) And it said, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part. Do you consider it a favor to get to give, or is it a burden? Well, if you've been saved over three months and it's a burden, it's something wrong, you don't understand the God of the Bible. Watch it. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. You know what he's saying? Uh, I wish we had baskets big enough. The first thing that ought to go in the offering that we haven't forgot about, we'll take later. But you know, the first thing that ought to be on that plate, we ought to get baskets today, and you just throw your body in it. (laughs) Just say, throw you on it. I don't have it. You've got a body. You've got you. You know why we can't get you to give? You've never given yourself. God doesn't have you. You know why we beg for workers? God doesn't have you. Every person in this building ought to be a worker available. God, you've got me. Let me ask you this Have you ever, ever, before the living God said, God, take all of me. Here I am. I'm yours. My life is not my own. Uh, One life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last take my body use me you know what income i have you know what talent what intelligence you know all about me here i put me up first have you ever done that according to romans 6 we ought to be doing it constantly according to romans 12 mercy cries for a sacrifice by the mercies of god i beg you Give God your body so he can build something on it that won't be worthless, that won't be wood, hay, and stubble. You'll only keep what you give. What? Well, God, we were looking at crowns and rewards Wednesday night. And just think of standing before the Lord and having all your life's work burn up. Wood, hay, stubble, me, my, me, my, all... And he said, I only reward those who give themselves to me. When will you give yourself to the Lord Jesus? Totally. He said, Take the rest of me for the. uh, Take all of me for all of you. What an exchange. I'm going to ask you when I close today, not for an offering, but the offering of yourself, the greatest sacrifice that's called upon in the Bible is you he bought you when will you say here lord i give you your property do with me what you get praise out of my mouth get service out of my body get anything you want lord i'm saved for time and eternity i don't want to land on the other side and see all the martyrs and i just go in there say, well i was safe secure and i kept everything in my little i just wanted to go to heaven Well, anybody at Las Vegas getting drunk, we could talk them into going to heaven, but wanting to have a Lord tell them what to do is another matter. One of the heartbreaking things in church history was when there was persecution under Diocletian and other emperors that persecuted the Christian world. This happened. It's a heartbreaking piece of history. There would be men that would be pastors that would be persecuted, and they would come, and sometimes in the trial, if they didn't give up their faith, if they didn't kill them, uh, they would cut off their ears. They would gouge out eyes. They would dismember the body. They would do uh, horrendous things if they didn't kill them. Many times they just outright had them burned at the stake. But during that time, many a pastor and many a believer gave up the faith. They caved in. They couldn't take the pressure. But after the persecution ended, they went back to pastoring. They picked up where they left off. And Eusebius Church History records that when they came together in a pastor's meeting, after everything calmed down and the pastors could get together, they walked in, and they formed two categories of pastors. They called the one the lapsus group, lapsus, L-A-P-S-I-S, the lapsus and the sufferers. And they walked in, these this room's together, As you got around that table, some pastors were whole. Others had lost an eye. Others had lost their ears. Others had lost their arms. And they looked at each other. And they said, oh, we're all brothers in Christ. And they were saying, where were you when we were suffering for Christ? If ISIS invades this country... Will you die a martyr's death or abdicate? See, we've got a Christianity nobody wants to sacrifice for. We're living in a bubble myth. We think the good times are here. No, we're at war. We're at war for, you, never in such a day, even in my own lifetime, when things that were not even mentioned in the boys' locker room have been legislated by the Supreme Court, that it's okay for same-sex marriage. It's okay to do this. It's okay to have pedophiles record my children and sell it on a pornography station. It's being passed in this legislation, that legislation. Everything seems to be opposed to this Bible and the Christ we preach. And where are you in this struggle? Have you lapsed? And when all the pressure's gone, you'll come back and celebrate, and you'll come to the party, but you won't bear the cost. It's just like what Bev said, these buildings, You know what, we're not in love with buildings. You just got to read our church history book and see what we met. in. Malcolm was cruel to me one time when we were at the theater. He said, man, I love you, Phil, but if you had, I'd go to a different church if I could find it if you had a different location. Well, where are you working, Malcolm? Second in McDonald. But I'm down there on missions. When I go to church, I don't want to go to the ghetto. Can't you improve things? George Rutenberg did the same thing. He said, Phil, I really love you. I'd love to preach for your church. But if I could find another one in your area that's nicer, I'd go to it. But he kept coming to Holy Ghost Hall. See, these buildings, this is 43 years later. And this isn't the mission. The mission is reaching a lost generation, a lost world, reaching you, reaching them. This is not the missing. This is just a tool God's entrusted, and it costs us a lot of money to maintain, and I find it an absolute waste, but I don't know how else to do it. You gotta build buildings or rent something. So here we are. What we really need is bodies and hearts. Our future is based on living sacrifices. Are you one? The altar's the cross and they first gave themselves. Our last example, look at verse 9. A rich man's gift. A rich man's gift. Look at verse 9, 2 Corinthians 8. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, grace, unmerited favor, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, He became poor so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Some of the most stunning words. I I wrote out a little line here. I want you to get it. It's in the notes. A gift in time, 33 years Jesus was on this earth, and unto utter poverty has made millions rich for eternity. One Jesus who gave up a throne and angelic attendance and ivory palaces filled with spices and all the glory of heaven, he gave it up and not just became poor, so utterly poor that for 33 years he dies with only owning one garment, the one his mother Mary made for him. A man that told his disciples, the birds of the air have a place to call home, but I have no place to call home. In this world, I sleep out in the garden, uh, probably Gethsemane. If Mary and Martha are there, I could stay there for a na- night. I'm kind of a just a wander around. I don't know where I'm going to sleep tonight. If you follow me, we don't know what we'll eat tomorrow. But uh, I've come on a mission. I've come to be poor And it's going to take my poverty to make many rich. And at the foot of the cross, I think of people and their objections about giving. I write them down. Let let me read these to you. Objection. When we ask people to give to help the poor, to help missions, to help churches, here are the objections you hear sometimes. My money is my own. I worked hard for it, and I'm not giving up what is my own answer christ might have said my blood is my own my life is my own then where would we be two objection the poor are undeserving of my help these are donors that can never find anybody good enough to deserve their money Uh, the church does not merit my sacrifice Matter of fact, there's some things I don't like about the church. One guy said that to Robert Richardson. He said he didn't like the the church. He wanted to give to God, but he just didn't agree with that. And Robert said, I'll meet you at the church next week. We'll meet Friday. uh, And you bring the gift you want to give. And he said, "Uh, we'll just burn it in the presence of God, and you'll know you gave it directly to God, and you get full credit because this church isn't good enough for your money. Listen to what Christ could have said. Christ might have said, why give my life for sinners? Why lay down my life for those who will never believe in me or ever say thank you? Can you imagine dying for a person that will never believe you and will never praise you and will never acknowledge you? Matter of fact, They'd rather go to hell than to ever receive you. Would you go ahead and die? He did. Thirdly, those to whom we give, whether poor, perishing people far near, or the ministries of a church may not be everything I think they should be, answer, Christ might have said the same thing about you and I with far greater truth. What were you worth when Christ found you in your sin, rebellion, and dishonor? Christ knew that thousands would trample his blood under their feet, that they would despise him, that they would make it an excuse for sinning more, yet he gave his own blood. Oh, dear Christian, if you would be like Christ, give much, give often, give freely to the vile, and poor the thankless and the undeserving christ is glorious and happy and so will you be give not just to give but for your own happiness it is not your money god wants it's your happiness i um ask you to consider what you want to give tonight we'll make you be making additional commitments We only had 62 people at our advanced commitment. And uh, among those 62 people, they committed over a million dollars. And so we're coming together tonight and see what the rest of you will do. We'd love to see $3 million at least raised. But let me give you a story. Brian Cluth told it in the Daily Devotional. It goes this way. Back at the turn of the century, In the city of philadelphia a little girl unkept living in the tenements a ghetto girl poor went to temple baptist church and when she got there they held her out because they said there wasn't enough room in the sunday school class and as the little girl began to cry The pastor came out of somewhere. I was walking, found her. She was standing outside the building, whatever. And he said, what's wrong, honey? She said, I wanted to go to Sunday school, but they said there wasn't enough room. And the pastor said she was dirty. She was unkept. You knew she was a a poor, poverty-stricken girl. He took her. He went to that class. He found her a seat, got her in there. And she attended. But within two years, that little girl was found dead at at home. And the mom and dad contacted the pastor, Russell Conwell, and tried to make funeral arrangements. But when they were making the funeral arrangements, out of all the rubbish things that had been thrown away, somebody found the little red purse uh, this little girl had. And in that purse, a remarkable thing, there was this purse and a note and 57 cents. It went this way. The little girl wrote these words. This is to help build the little church bigger so more children can go to Sunday school. For two years, she had saved this offering of love. Two years, I figure. This is maybe 1900s, 1800s. The pastor took the little purse and the note, and that Sunday he challenged the church and the deacons, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could add some money to these 57 cents and add some more room around here? Well, some way or another, the newspaper picked it up, published it, and people began to respond. Five years, or no, it was a matter, I'm gonna get this right. Within five years, the little girl's gift had grown to $250,000, a huge sum for the turn of the century. Well, in the newspaper, this thing caught fire. A realtor read the story and notified the church he had some great property worth thousands of dollars that the church could build these new facilities on. He looked up Temple Baptist Church. Well, when he first approached the church, he said, I've got this property. And when he told the cost, the church says, we can't, we can't afford that. He said, if you'll give me the 57 cents in the girl's purse, you can have it. Today, when you go to the city of Philadelphia, look up Temple Baptist Church with a seating capacity of 3,300, Temple University where hundreds of students are trained, have a look at the Good Samaritan Hospital and at a Sunday school building which houses hundreds of Sunday scholars so that no child in the area will ever need to be left outside at Sunday school time. In one of the rooms of this building may be seen the picture of the sweet little girl who left her 57 cents and a picture of the pastor that found her a seat in the Sunday school classroom. Equal sacrifice, 57 cents in a poor tenement girl's purse is worth more than a million dollars from a William Buffett or Gates or... No, that 57 cents registered in heaven, and that realtor said you can have all the property. Yeah. Just give me the curse. Give me the 57 cents. <laughs> so I challenge you would you alter anything in your lifestyle to give? Would you rearrange your priorities? But here's the thing that's in my heart the most. And I don't do this. You know that. I wonder in all truthfulness how many bodies in this place are willing to be offered as a living sacrifice to God. Or is your life yours? Is it all about you, all about me, my, my, my children, my, 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 my? Oh, thank God, Jesus had no children to die for, had no sons, had no wife, had no father of an earthly origin, only his heavenly father. If he said, just me and my, I already got it made, but I will become poor, and I make this challenge to you. When you're trying to figure out your giving, don't go and sit by Moses. Go to Calvary, and at the foot of the cross, look in the face of the Savior, What would you have me do with my life, the resources you've given me? What? Here I am. We used to sing a song that went like this. I surrender all, all to thee I give. You don't sing anymore because it'd be a lie in most churches. We don't surrender anything. We just come in and critique everything. Was the music good? Was the temperature right? was the sermon short. When did you ever get captured to give God your all and quit critiquing everybody else? I want to ask you this. I want to ask you, I want to let you pray about it. I want to see for sure how many bodies here will be offered to God as a living site. You may have already done it. You may have never heard of it. It's Romans 12. He preaches it to God like a sacrifice, like you were bringing an offering, but what you bring this time, he said, not a dead animal. God doesn't want a dead animal, he wants a living body. He wants you. He wants you. Nobody can give you no, that rich, poor, black, white, yellow, brown. You, you is who he wants. And you can't have a church amount to a squat without members and people who haven't given themselves to the cause of the cross. Otherwise, we ought to sell the place and give all the money to missions and quit playing. I don't want to play. I'm going to see him sooner than I ever dreamed. I don't want to play while I'm getting older. I want to give the rest. He deserves 10 times more than I could ever give, but at least let's give what we are. Bow your head, and I want to pray a prayer for you. Our Father, how many bodies are in this place that may even claim to know you, but have never been offered to you, offered on the altar of the cross? Here I am, Lord. I give myself to you. Not to the preacher, not to a church, but to a Savior who became so poor, he made me rich. I will be in heaven forever because he stayed poor for 33 years, and in his poverty, he died in my place.